Hello YouTube, Sam Ridgway here with LiveLikeAViking.com. And Chris, my IT girl, she comes to me with some very interesting information. It seems that almost 50% of the subscribers to this channel are between the ages of 35 and 44. So why is that significant? Well, because it shows a proactive interest in half of our subscribers and a reactive interest in roughly the other 50%. So what do I mean by that? I'm saying half of all our subscribers are interested in what they can do to proactively slow down the aging process before it becomes noticeable. They want to know at what age should they start worrying about this hormone replacement therapy stuff. So I feel like I owe them an answer. And on this channel, we answer questions through science, research, and logic. First, let's talk about HGH. In the 1970s, medical researchers had hopes that HGH might be kind of a youth serum. It was explored as a treatment for weakness, low energy, and depression in the elderly. And it worked. It was found that IGF-1 combats loss of muscle mass in old age by promoting new tissue growth, retarding apoptosis. And apoptosis is when your cell commits suicide. It happens all the time. It could be pre-programmed cell death, or it could be generated out of necessity. Like when a cell sees something's going terribly wrong with it. Cell basically implodes, send out a distress signal, and the cleanup crew shows up to clear the scene. As you can imagine, this is the very process that protects us against infection and cancer, but can also start killing healthy cells when we're older. So a higher IGF-1 level can prevent this process from happening to healthy cells as we age. IGF-1 promotes new nerve growth in the brain and linked to better cognitive performance as well as subjective feelings of youth and well-being. Now I've been throwing around IGF-1 as a term and I haven't even explained it yet. So for simplistic purposes, it's like the unit of measurement showing how much human growth hormones in your body. So when I say IGF-1, I'm talking about the level of HGH you have in your system. It's not a perfect indicator, but it's about as close as you're going to get without expensive lab testing procedures. So higher IGF-1 protects the brain from aging, reduce the risk of stroke and Alzheimer's, and it prevents osteoporosis. Now to be fair, lower IGF-1 levels seem to extend longevity in human beings. So you tend to live longer with lower IGF-1 levels. To a certain point, of course. Higher IGF-1 levels exacerbate the growth, the growth of cancer cells. Now it's very inconclusive that higher IGF-1 levels can cause cancer, but if you get cancer by a different means, it can make those rogue cells grow faster. It should also be mentioned that the FDA does not acknowledge HGH as a solution to the aging process. In fact, technically, clinics that hand out HGH for anti-aging purposes are doing so illegally. I can personally tell you that's bullshit. HGH certainly does slow down the aging process. But the logical question with all this information is, what kind of quality of life are we talking about? If higher IGF-1 levels keep your brain from aging, reduce the risk of Alzheimer's, prevent osteoporosis, then low IGF-1 would put you at risk for these conditions. And who cares if you live to your 110 if you can't remember the last 30 years of your life? If you can't walk from your couch to the kitchen because your bones are so fragile? If you have to have somebody wipe your ass every day, is that really living or is that just merely existing? So let's find out what the optimal age is to start thinking about supplementing with HGH. 
Okay, so let's look at the growth hormone decline chart. Now, as you can see, when you're born, you're way up here, okay? And then as you age 10, 20, 30, 40, when you get to be about 40 years old, that's when you see this red control line right here, this one. That's when you see you start dipping below it right here, right before the age of 40. So given that fact on the growth hormone decline chart, the time that you should start thinking about HGH or at least looking at your values would be right in this area in the 40s. Now on to testosterone. Testosterone is responsible for high sex drive, the ability to actually perform sexually, a higher metabolism, more muscle, less body fat. The strength and density of your bones is higher. Your mental well-being is better. You're less likely to be depressed. You have fewer mood swings, more energy to complete daily tasks. And our testosterone levels as a species have been declining over the last 30 years or so. And nobody has a definitive answer as to why. Some attribute it to lower levels of physical activity or higher instances of obesity, sharp decline in smoking, and yes, smoking increases your testosterone levels. Now, it'll obviously kill you in other ways, so it's stupid, and that's coming from somebody who's smoked from the age of about 18 to the age of 48. I smoked almost two packs a day for at least 20 years. So I'm assuming at some point in time, I'm going to have to pay the piper for my addition, addiction to smoking, but anybody out there is still smoking, just stop. It's expensive, it's unhealthy, it literally stinks, and no, chicks do not dig it. Okay, so this is on the free and available testosterone levels in males. So, what we're going to see here is we're going to see that from 1987 through 1989 in the 45 to 71 year old category, the testosterone was 501 and the available testosterone, 237. And then we go to 1995 to 1997, from the 50 to 80-year-olds, it starts declining. So from 87 to 89 is number one. And then you come 95 to 97, you go down to 435 and 188. And then you go a few years later to 2002 to 2005, from the 57-year-olds to the 80-year-olds. And you see, you go from 391 to 130. So, again, as a species, our testosterone levels are slowly declining. Now let's take a look at testosterone production in the same manner that we looked at IGF-1. Okay, so if this is the spectrum from being 20 years old to 80 years old, and we see the decline in testosterone as you go 20 to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 to 80, when you go, I mean, I'm looking probably right in this area here between 40 and 50. So I'm going to have to go with 45. I mean, if you look at 50, you have basically half the testosterone left in you as you had at 20. And, and if that's the way that it is, or that's the way you have to say that it is, okay, that's fine. But that isn't the way it has to be. You don't have to be okay with that. There's no reason for that. You can supplement with exogenous testosterone, and you can get your levels in your 50s that you had in your 20s. Again, it's not super physiological. It's what you had 
in your 20s. You just happen to have it in your 50s. For me personally, I'd start worrying about low testosterone at about 45 years old. Now that doesn't mean you have low testosterone, it just means you should get tested if you're in your mid-40s and you have symptoms of low T. So in conclusion, it looks like testosterone should start being monitored around age 45. And that's just an approximation. Your mileage may vary. But we have to play with averages if we want to establish guidelines. Now circling back to HGH though, when you're 40 is when it seems when you'll want to start monitoring IGF-1 levels. And then there's the logical question of, if I supplement with HGH at maybe age 35 or so, would that be similar to when women get Botox in their 20s? Do you wait for wrinkles to get Botox, or do you prevent wrinkles by not letting wrinkles happen in the first place? I agree it's a judgment call, and I can see both sides of the argument. So if I had to definitively answer the question I posed at the beginning of this video, the question being, at what age should you start hormone replacement therapy? I'd have to say 45 years old for testosterone and 40 years old for HGH. Questions, comments, concerns, put them below. And remember, you're never too old to live like a Viking. Until next time, peace out.